Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. Trust Stadium post-harvest fungicide from Syngenta to help keep potatoes picture-perfect coming out of storage. Just one application of stadium on potatoes going into storage helps protect tubers from the spread of fusarium dry rot and silver scurf. It also offers three modes of action for built-in resistance management. Stadium. Quality in, quality out. Learn more at syngenta.ca. Always read and follow label directions. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Tuber Talk. I'm Alex Bernard, Ag Annex Editor and your host for this episode. Today, I'm speaking with Andrew Mackenzie Gopsill a research scientist in weed science with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Charlottetown, PEI. We'll be discussing the potato vine crusher that he's testing out as a way to manage the weed seed bank. I know the technology changed from being one thing to another, but mm-hmm. potatoes, not necessarily where you thought that you'd end up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I grew up in Ontario in that corn, soy, wheat rotation. So I, I did all my grad student work in, um, in soybeans. I knew no, really nothing about potatoes before coming here. So it's, yeah, it's been quite a learning curve to, to learn about the whole very, very, very different production process compared to any kind of field crops. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background role at AFC. Sure. So I grew up just outside of Toronto. I, I don't have an agriculture background. None of my family are, are farmers or anything like that. I grew up in the suburbs, but I was always interested in, I love being outside. I spent all my summers outside and then started to really get interested in ecology and then plant-plant interactions. From that, I wanted to more apply those ecological principles to kind of managed ecosystems that kind of led me to agriculture. I also started to get interested in invasive species and invasive species biology, which led me to Guelph and Dr. Clarence Swanton, who's kind of like the grandfather of weed science in Canada now. And so I I started working with him, um, as I mentioned, in in soybeans. So I, I was working on the interactions between weeds and soybeans during the critical period for weed control. And so just trying to understand the physiology and the molecular biology behind all of that and, and those interactions. And then shortly after, after I graduated, I did a very short postdoc just that summer and then managed to get this position out in Charlottetown. And yeah, just big learning curve, learning about the totally different way of farming out here compared to Ontario. Like we're, we're in, a, again, a three-year rotation for the most part, but it's a grain forage potatoes. So crops that I'd, I'd never really worked in ever before. So a lot of learning, a lot of reading, and I'm slowly, I, I've been in this position six years now. So starting to, to get a, a bit of a handle on how things go out and how things work out here. What's either the most interesting or what's your favorite thing that you've learned since you started this position? Hmm. All the challenges related to potato production. I, I find it amazing in the I'm a weed scientist. So, you know, one thing we focus on are volunteer crops. And if you have a volunteer potato, it seems like it's impossible to kill in any other cropping system. But then as soon as you want to try and grow potatoes, it seems like everything kills them. So yeah, from trying to figure out just all the different ways that people grow potatoes. So here, um, you know, some people will plant potatoes and then hill them, you know, four weeks later with no management really happening in between. Some people will plant potatoes and hill them immediately. And then apply herbicide right away and, and kind of that's it for weed management for the rest of the season. Um, some people might hill a couple of times, 
plant, hill a couple of times and then put a herbicide on. So just all of the different ways that people go about managing potatoes is just very interesting. Compare that to like a one or two pass Roundup Ready soybean system where it's two shots of Roundup and, and, and that's it. So just again, very different, a lot of moving parts. And, and then also around uh, something that I never really experienced is on um, rotation restrictions. When, when you have a horticulture crop, that seems to be the first question is how do I control this weed in crop, whatever in rotation? And then, well, but I want to plant this after how, what's that herbicide going to do to that crop? So trying to changing my focus of, of not just focusing on the in-season management, but across that whole rotation and, and how those herbicides and their weed management practices are important across that whole, whole rotation is just kind of a, a shift in mindset for me. Very cool. Yeah. Potatoes seem to be a really high risk, high reward crop. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about the background of the potato vine crusher and the research that AAFC scientists were using it for about 10 years ago? Sure. So this system was originally designed by our entomologist here at, at the Charlottetown Research Center, Dr. Christine Narona. So she's done a lot of work on potato pests, more recently on wireworm. But about, I think it's about a little over 10 years ago now, she had a project, I think it was involved with the pesticide risk reduction program looking at trying to reduce pesticide use in, in um, potato production. And so she came up with this system to control European corn borer larvae that overwinter in desiccated potato stems. And so this system, it was just um, a set of rollers that attached to the back of the potato harvester. And then as the, the potatoes were being harvested, the vines that would normally just be dumped back onto the ground are then fed with a set of brushes into those rollers and then crushed and then just dropped back on the field. And so she never published anything on it, no peer-reviewed manuscripts, but you can find some fact sheets online on the AFC website. And she, she was getting, you know, 95 to 100% control of, of this larvae. So a huge reduction in the population of that, that overwintering European corn borer larvae. Unfortunately, European corn borer is mobile. It will fly around. So even though you may control all of the, or your population within your field, they can just fly in from neighboring fields the next season. So the vine crusher for control of European corn borer is probably really going to be like a community approach. You need everybody within an area to be managing this or to be all proactively using this to try and manage it, to have a really a, a big effect on European corn borer populations within a locality. So I think that kind of was the, what killed the vine crusher at that time. Mm-hmm. So then I was doing a presentation at our local university, University of Prince Edward Island, and it was to the fourth year undergrad thesis class. And one of the, the people in that class was Dr. Nerona's technician. And when I got to a slide about harvest weed seed control, which is this whole kind of new paradigm or relatively new paradigm in, in weed science, all about managing the weed seed bank and trying to prevent weeds or removing weeds or devitalizing or destroying weeds in field. So I was talking about this concept and she said, oh, well, we have the system that we developed that goes on the back of the potato harvester that might be useful for this because all harvest weed seed control systems that exist right now are for crops that are combined. So any of the systems like the Harrington seed destructor, which would probably be the most common or most well-known, that is either a toe-behind unit from on the back of a grain combine or is fully integrated into the back of a combine. So obviously potatoes are not harvested with a combine, it's with a custom harvester. So we can't employ any of the kind of traditional harvest weed seed practices. So then I started talking to Dr. Nerona, the vine crusher had just been sitting in a, in our, at our research farm up in the rafters collecting dust for the past 10 years. So she said, go ahead, like, this is the system. This is what we, what we found. So that kind of led me to, to the, the study and the work we've been doing over the last little bit. 
Nice. And whatabouts was it that you started to work on considering weed control with it? Yeah. So weed, <laughs> my, um, I had a grad student at the time who's al- almost finished up, but so she helped me with doing some of the initial testing. So there, there's a couple of different variables that we could evaluate on the vine crusher. So looking at the system, we wanted to first figure out how we could, I guess the, the, there's two main variables that we could play around with to try and optimize control. So one is the tension that pulls the rollers together. And so that is set by a spring that is either just, just adjusted by um, compressing it. And then there's the speed that the rollers actually spin. So we wanted to initially determine how to look at roller tension. So we had to figure out a way to measure like spring compression. So I had my, my grad student and I, we, we went to a local gym and we were sitting there putting weights on top of these springs to try and generate a spring constant, which would be how much tension is applied or force is being applied on the spring based on how much you're compressing it. So we figured all that out and, and then COVID happened. So that kind of shut us all down. We were all set to go. We had all the experiments designed and then, yeah, we weren't able to get back in to our research farm for quite a few months. So I think all of this testing ended up actually happening in the winter of 2020 and then over into 2021. I imagine it takes a bit more spring tension to crush weed seeds than insects. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we initially d- designed a, two sets of experiments to try and optimize both roller speed and spring tension. We started with spring tension and we decided to look at one species in particular, common lamb squirters. So my labs documented resistance to Sencor or Metribuzin, which is the kind of the number one product that potato producers in our region use and rely on for weed management. So we're around 50% of our populations in potato fields are resistant to Sencor. So we, we decided to do all of our initial testing using that species. And we kind of learned a, a little bit of some interesting biology with that species while testing. The seeds are very small. So you're dealing with like a two millimeter diameter seed. So that, that was another thing. If we could figure out, we could crush a really small seed. We'd probably have greater efficacy on, on a larger seed and any kind of some of those grasses like barnyard grass or yellow foxtail. So we did find a big effect of roller tension. So not surprisingly, as we increased our roller tension, which pulled those rollers together, we got greater efficacy. But interestingly, when we started crushing our lamb squirter seeds, as we increased the tension, we ended up, this is all in controlled conditions at this state. So we're just evaluating germination in Petri plates. And we saw germination actually went up as we increased roller tension. So two things that we think that are, that are going on there. One is that we're breaking dormancy of these seeds. And it's resulting in, in just an increase in germination Two, which is the kind of interesting part that we hadn't ever seen before. And as far as I'm aware, I, I've talked to a couple other people who work in this field and they may have seen this on occasion, but when you crush a lamb's quarter seed, sometimes one half of it will still germinate. So the seed will germinate and it's missing either a radical or a hypocaudal or one of its cotyledons, but it'll still germinate in a Petri plate and looks like it, it's going to grow. But when So we did it initially in a Petri plate and then we went over and after processing our samples, then we put them into field soil and under field soil, we get a reduction in germination. So what we think is happening is it's not likely a plant can survive if it's missing its root or it's developing meristem. So even though they're germinating, it's resulting in fatal germination in the field. So we're um, seeing an increase in germination potentially from breaking dormancy also from some of these seed fragments germinating, but it's resulting in fatal germination when we actually go to the field soil. 
So that was, that was some of our initial experiments. When we looked at roller speed, we didn't seem to really, really have any effect. It was just highly variable. So it didn't really matter what speed we were actually moving our rollers in and in, in, on common lambs quarters. Okay. I mean, since this technology, it enables farmers to kind of not build their own machines, but it, it doesn't come as like a packaged deal. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot simpler for them to, to know that that one aspect is kind of the important one when dealing with seed mortality. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very important to keep those rollers in place. So then once we kind of optimized those, those roller tension and the roller speed, we then tested the system out on five different species. Mm-hmm. So again, we, we went with common lamb squatters and red root pigweed, two very small seeds. And then we went with three seed species that are a bit larger. So yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, and then a volunteer canola seed. And we saw much higher efficacy on all of those larger weed seeds probably because you're just getting more tension. There's a tinier gap for that, that seed to pass through. So where lamb squirters, we were getting about 65% control under controlled conditions in, a, in our petri plates. All of our other species, it was ranging between 87 and 94%. So really high efficacy on controlling any of those. Like we were basically dealing with like a canola crusher. We, were, we could see canola oil on, on our roller after crushing them. Then we went the next experiment. We wanted to get as close as we could under controlled conditions a potato harvest. So we took all of our weed seeds and instead of doing them all in isolation, we mixed them all together along with some potato biomass and sent that all through at the same time. And here's where we saw again, greater efficacy on our large weed seeds, but there was just too much variability with our small seeds. So we think what's probably happening is that potato biomass or those large weed seeds, were kind of pushing those rollers apart mm-hmm. slightly and then letting all of those small seeds fall through. So in some situations, we got good control. Some situations, we got kind of moderate control. So just a lot of variability there, all because just those small seeds could pass right through. So again, emphasizing how important it is to have those rollers close together. But this also, you mentioned how producers can just build this themselves because it's just freely, there's no IP controlling this. It's freely available to the public. There's also some opportunities to potentially play around with the system and maybe add a couple more rollers in there to try and increase the amount of potential contact between the seeds and, and the system. Mm-hmm. And if the biomass is going through too, that does control the European corn borer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is kind of like an a IPM. You're getting some insect, potentially some insect management and as well as some weed seed control there. That's good news. Mm-hmm. You spoke of the Harrington seed destroyer and how grain crops, it's weed seed crushing is not necessarily a new technology in that field. What does it do when it crushes the seeds to kill them off, essentially. Sure. So the development of this technology is really a response to the herbicide-resistant issues that producers face. And so if you're dealing with a herbicide-resistant weed, it is going to escape your herbicide and then set seed. And the biggest effect you can have on a weed or herbicide-resistant population is in that first year after resistance develops. If you can prevent those seeds from getting back in the field, then you may have had resistance develop, but it's not going to spread. And so using this type of system, if you're at that really early stages where resistance is just developing, hopefully you can remove those seeds from the field, and then you're not going to have that herbicide resistant population there. Two, if you already have resistance, this system can reduce the amount of seed that's there. So you're just reducing your weed pressure overall. So having an impact on your population within that individual field. So there's a, a study just published within the last year from some weed scientists down in the U.S. where they're dealing with or looking at harvest weed seed control on Palmer amaranth, which is resistant to you know pretty much everything we throw at it. And from some of their simulations, they show that harvest weed seed control is low as 20% efficacy. So removing 20% of the seeds 
that would normally go back into the system will maintain our populations. So if we have any greater efficacy, then we're going to have a reduction in our population. But as long as we maintain a 20% efficacy, which our system here has greater efficacy than that, at least under our, the conditions that we've evaluated in so far, then we can have a positive effect on reducing our population within that field of whatever particular weed we're, we're targeting. I mean, that's excellent news in general, but especially for polymer amaranth. We're lucky we, we only have one pigweed or two pigweeds in Prince Edward Island right now. One <laughs> of them is not Palmer, so just red root pigweed and you can occasionally find some green pigweed, but that's it. Okay. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yep. Will this summer see field tests or is it still a little ways off from that? So we are hoping to, to field test it this year. So I have a completely unrelated potato experiment. I didn't, didn't have any fields that were suitable last year, but this year we've got some potato fields out at, at our research farm. And so we'll be actually field testing this. So harvesting potatoes and then doing some seed bank measurements, comparing processed versus, or using the potato crusher versus not using the potato vine crusher and seeing if we're having an effect on the weed seed bank there. Excellent. So that is, that is our hope. What are the implications for potato growers, but also is this something that potato growers can access currently? Yep. Yeah. So this, um, like the system, Christine Narona just had a local engineer build the system. We don't have any, like the, the plans are, are freely available. Anybody can build this system they'd like. So we haven't evaluated within field. Christine Narona did. So like logistically it should work. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't interfere with your potato operation. It's not going to gum up your harvester or anything like that. Whether or not it actually has an effect on the weed seeds, we don't know in, in field. That's So we'll hopefully evaluate some of that, that this season. But yeah, it's a system that that's available to potato producers right now that they can start building and, and attaching to their equipment to at least definitely control European corn borer larvae and potentially control some weed seeds at, at the same time. Excellent. And I guess, how many years of testing would you like to see in field before you say yes or no? Generally, we like to see two years. When you're dealing with, with something mechanical, there's fewer environmental effects that, that can be happening there. So, And when we do our seed bank work, it's all under controlled conditions, so it's not going to be influenced by environmental effects there. So yeah, you, obviously more, more data is better, but we can be fairly confident at least if we generate enough replications from one or two field seasons. Excellent. Is there anything you'd like to add? I've had a little bit of interest from producers. I was asked if they could use this system in their field this fall. I'm not comfortable at this stage doing that actually with producers, but we're hoping to do that. If the system works this fall, then going forward, working with the PEI Potato Board and getting this this out into some producer fields to actually see it really at a production scale. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcast.